Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you so much uh, just for the chance to be in your word again. Thank you for your people that when we come together, even if it's uh, scattered across uh, different cities and in different bedrooms and living rooms and kitchens this morning, God, it's because your spirit brings this to life that we come with expectancy today. So God, speak through your word again. Thank you uh, for this new day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day again. Uh, so great that we can be together, uh, even if it's like this, but I hope that uh, all the mothers out there are really being blessed today uh, by their kids and everybody in their family in some way. Uh, and it's, it's memories of my mother, I think about in these days, uh, that I like to share this morning as we start. Uh, one of the things that I remember about my mother is that every summer, pretty much, uh, we would drive to Texas on the I-40. And if you're not familiar with the Interstate 40 that uh, goes from California to Texas, it's one of the most boring, monotonous, and wearisome drives in all of America. But, but even in cities going through like Needles, California, and Kingman, Arizona, and Tucumcari, New Mexico, uh, my mom seemed to find this sense of expectancy. Uh, she just couldn't wait to get there, uh, knowing that she was gonna be with her, her parents again, uh, other family members, and it, I think it's interesting, almost hauntingly similar, similar that uh, that experience uh, of my mom and driving to Texas kind of matches what happens in the text to this morning. God's people were on a journey, and of course, we're God's people today, and we're on a journey with the Lord, so I think there's a lot of things that we're going to see this morning uh, that are similar and that we can relate to. Uh, in our text uh, that was read in Joshua 3, the, the Ark of the Covenant is, is smack dab in the middle of everything and it's, it's highlighted. The Ark of the Covenant, if you remember, always symbolizes the very presence of Almighty God, an all-powerful God. It says there, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. So that was the command given. Uh, and remember, they were not yet inside the promised land. They're still outside of that. They'd just been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, and now uh, they're at this juncture. The, the ark, though, in this primary spot, reminds us that God is the one leading the way. 
The people were to be behind the ark. And isn't that the way it is? God is always leading the way, and that's the way it should be. And the people, God's people, are the ones that follow that, whether it be priest or whether it be um, anybody else or, you know, Joe Schmo. Uh, everybody's following God. And it's amazing how the kingdom of God works great when we use those principles in our life. But the people of God here, we know that they were a community. And so the first thing, and I only have two things really to share today, uh, two main ideas. The first is that the journey includes people in covenant with a powerful person. And this powerful person, of course, is, is the Lord God. But the people are a community. They have something in common. And for us today, we would say we're the community of Christ. Uh, and whether that's uh, just right here in Chowchilla, uh, there's other churches, of course, in neighboring areas, wherever that is, there's communities of Christ there. First Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who we are. That's what the Bible says about us uh, as this amazing community of Christ. And so I, sometimes I know it's very common to hear people say, well, I have a private faith, or I, I just worship by myself. Well, that's not biblical faith, because there's always a community that's coming together to follow Christ. Now, in our day, we really have to work at it, because it's difficult to come together physically, but we're finding ways to come together spiritually and using technology it's amazing did you know we as the cornerstone family we are in a covenant with this still not the past but today still powerful god i want to remind us of something um for, for me when i forget things the psalms are filled with great reminders of who god is and in Psalm 145, verses 10 to 13, it says this, O Lord, excuse me, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Our God is a powerful God. One of the guys out of the Watergate experience, and some of you don't even know what that is, you may be too young, but that, you can look it up, Google it. But Charles Colson was involved in that, and he later uh, became a follower of Christ. And he said this, I meet millions who tell me they feel demoralized by the decay around us. The hope that each of us has is not in who governs us or what laws are passed. Our hope is in the power of God working in the hearts of people. I thought, here's a guy that, I mean, he lived it. He saw the decay. He saw the, how bad things could be. He was a part of it. But then when he became a Christian, when he became a follower of Christ, a covenant people, if you will, he saw things differently. And now we have this incredible hope. So we are the people in covenant on our journey with the same powerful person. Somebody used to sing this song, wherever he leads, I'll go. Well, I hope that's our prayer this morning. Wherever God takes us in this weird journey right now in 2020, I hope we'll just say, I'll go. God, I'll follow you there. 
But not only does our journey include people in covenant with a powerful person, but secondly, the journey involves an inevitable consecration because it's inhabited by a holy person. Joshua told the people in this passage, consecrate yourselves. The idea of uh, get yourself holy, get yourself pure, uh, make sure you're set apart for what's about to happen. Now, practically, this would have involved a whole day, you know, where they would have had to bathe. And if you think about it, we, we take that for granted, uh, maybe not in the valley, but most people take it for granted. But in the desert, water would have been very scarce. So to do this wouldn't have happened all the time. So to take a whole day to bathe, to change your clothes, to abstain even from marital relations, all for the purpose of saying, we're going to focus on you, God, for what you're about to do. That was a big deal. Quick reminder, Moses in this passage was dead and buried in Moab. We know that. So now Joshua was leading these people, and the track record was bleak, to say the least. Hashtag remember Exodus. That's for everybody that went through that long uh, series with us. All the struggles and defeats in the wilderness journey, the fear of the inhabitants of the promised land, and the need for strength and courage right now, see Joshua 1. But this was a new generation. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Joshua and Caleb, those two guys were the only ones right now still alive that came out of Egypt. And God was renewing his commitment to his people, and he wanted to get them ready. Consecration. We don't throw that word around very much. Most of us may not even be familiar with it. It sounds like a, an Old Testament word. What is consecration really about? Well, I tried to, to synthesize it into something simple. And I think if, if I can understand it, if Brian can understand it, hopefully most of you will too. This is what I've got to uh, for us. It's the setting myself apart for what God is about to do. Consecration, setting myself apart, and that could be from a whole bunch of stuff, but the idea is I'm doing it for a purpose because I believe in my heart that God's getting ready to do something. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Steve Moody shared this thought, know who you are before you can be who you are. That's a great word, and it, of course, it fits in so many things in our life. But I want to add, I want to piggyback on Steve's idea and say, not only should you know who you are, but know whose you are. This passage reminds us, God is holy. Why do you think they had to practice social distancing in this passage? And so if you're wondering, oh, it's a brand new thing. It's a new day, social distancing. It's been around for thousands of years. Just read the Bible. It's all in here. The passage says, yet there shall be a distance between you and it, meaning the Ark of the Covenant, symbolizing the presence of Almighty God, about 2,000 cubits in length. For those of you that don't use that uh, form of measurement anymore, that means about 1,000 yards you were to stay away. Now, for those of you that have ever played football, you know what that means. That's 10 football fields. You were to stay away from the Ark of the Covenant. 
And I just think the modern mind has this, why would we do that? That's not efficient. Look at all the land that we could do something in between there. Why do we have to stay that far away? Could it be because we don't really take consecration seriously or as much as we should? Somebody said consecration is and should be a little bit scary. Why? Because God is holy and we're not. When my mother passed, our three children were nine, seven, and five. So when it came time to do all the things that we had to do for our funeral and travel, needless to say, they weren't very excited about getting all dressed up and doing all that stuff. They weren't thrilled in meeting all of these strange adults and wanting to talk to them that you know, they felt like they had to. They knew my mom, but they didn't know them, but it helped in some way. And so we were trying to share that with our kids. And we came with some ideas that, you know, we're going to do this and we want you to just participate as best as you can because it's a time to impress on everybody that's there, including us, mostly us, the depth of our grief and that this is real. But also the reality of all of our sin and that our sin is going to lead to death. It's just death is a big part of it. Sin always leads to death and we live in this world and let's just be honest with that now of course we were putting that into words that a nine seven and a five-year-old could understand but also the hope of another place another dimension if you will and in this funeral experience we got to share about this isn't it we're going to see her again because of what jesus has done about his victory with the resurrection. God is holy and we're not. You see, there's a dilemma there. But thanks be to God, there was someone who became the mediator between the holy and the sinner. The Bible calls him the man, Christ Jesus. Oh yes, consecration is not to be taken lightly. Now, if we, we think about that, we say, well, Brian, so much of the stuff is in the Old Testament. I just can't dive back that many years. Is there a New Testament verse that might help us with this idea? And I believe there is. Uh, some of you might know this. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When, when you get the picture of you presenting, volunteering your body and everything that goes with it, because, you know, you can't, like, take yourself out of your body, so everything is there. You're giving it to God. That is your worship. It ought to lead us to this thought. Lord, here I am. Take my life. I consecrate all of this, and I give it to you. My so-called rights, my selfish desires, my choice of who to love and not to love, that's not my choice. God, you are the one that tells me I'm supposed to love everybody because we have a love relationship. And I'm consecrating it until things get back to normal. 
Oh, wait, wait a minute. I wasn't reading that right. Oh, we're not consecrating it just to we get back to normal. <laughs> we mean for as long as God wants us to be on this planet. But that brings up an interesting point, though, right? Who of us really wants to go back to normal? Are we really pleased with the way things were? Was God's perfect will being done on a daily basis in our community, in our family, in our world? Listen, listen to me. Could this time in history be used by God to get us prepared? He's leading us. Our job on the journey is to follow and to expect wonders, the passage says. In other words, we got to do what we got to do, but we got to give room for God to be God. We're not God. We can't play God. And sometimes I feel like when things go weird in the world, we want to play God. We need to let God be God, and that is certainly appropriate in our day with what's going on. Church, just like this passage, we've never passed this way before. Nobody's experienced anything like this globally and what we're experiencing in our state and in our town. But I want to encourage you this morning. Be of good cheer because the one we're following, just like the people were following the ark, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you so much for days that, uh, I know we struggle with the word holy, but days like Mother's Day are supposed to be a little bit different, a little separate. And these are days that we get to honor someone in our lives, our family's life, God, that kind of helps us and prepares us for how we are supposed to, to treat you with honor and respect. God, I just feel like the better we get at honoring moms, we might get a little bit better at honoring you. God, bless these ladies today. But Lord, for us as individuals and as a church family, at Cornerstone and others as you're watching and listening, God is doing something today in our midst, and it doesn't look like it, and I know that might freak some people out, but Lord, you're doing something today. And so right here in the middle of my prayer, and because I'm doing this because we're talking to God, uh, and he's still listening, by the way, even though I don't say the word amen, I believe God is really wanting to get our attention through this, and it's how we respond in times of crisis that really says a lot about what's going on inside it right here. Um, so, the first thing I'd like us to think about is, Lord, where do you want me in the battle? Okay, just like in the Old Testament, even though it's not physically, we're not going out with swords, we're not going to take some people on the promised land, but we are in a spiritual battle and I think we need to settle that question. Where do you want me, Lord, in this battle? Am I even in the battle? Okay. Well, you get in the battle when you become a part of God's people, and that only happens when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
uh, and he's made a way. Like I said earlier, he is the mediator. There's one way to get to Almighty God. And I know that is not a popular message in our day, but when you read the text carefully, when you study and you open yourself up, Lord, is Jesus the way? God will show you. It's amazing how the truth seems to clear all the cobwebs up in our head. And once we figure out about me, I wonder if we might pray, Lord, where do you want my family in this battle? Mother's Day brings up a lot of weird feelings, and sometimes we react in a positive way, and sometimes we react in, a, in an unhealthy way when those feelings come up. But it definitely has us to think about family. What happened in the past? Did we deal with those things? Are, are they keeping us from being the family that you've called us to be, God? Uh, is there a way that we need to make a phone call or send an email or a text or you know, it's difficult to get together physically, but I'm sure there's a way that we can work that out. Somebody needs to say, hey, there's a problem in my family and it's hurting the battle a little bit. We need to do something here. And then maybe as a church family, I'd like to speak just to the Cornerstone family. Where do you want us as a church in the battle? Our church has, has just been so engaged in things in the community uh, whether it be uh, giving away hundreds and hundreds of cars with food and praying and trying to get people in just for counseling or talking to them, providing things online as much as we can, children, youth, groups are still trying to meet, uh, learning how to do Zoom conference. But as a church, if God is really wanting to get our attention through this crisis, I think we need to come together as a body and say, Lord, where do you want us in this battle? What are you trying to do? And I believe if we pray like that, and maybe in coming days you might sense, Lord, what are you trying to do here? I think once we find out, all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm consecrated. Whatever I need to do, call me. And that leads me to this other idea. And this is it. To consecrate myself, I need to fill in the blank. To prepare for what the Lord is about to do. So that is a great way that each of us individually, we, we think about ourselves, we think about our families and our church family, maybe even our community, but at, come back to the end here today. If we were really to apply what the Lord is saying today, we need to be able to say, to consecrate myself, to get ready, to make myself holy, if you will, to make myself set apart because God's getting ready to do something, I need to do you fill in the blank. And trust me, if you pray that honest prayer to God, he will show you what you need to fill in the blank with. It's usually a challenge. I'll be the first to admit it. It's usually something I don't want to let loose of. But I, in finding out when I do let loose of that, it's amazing how clear things become in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the journey that we're all on today, individually, as families, as a church family, people in the community. Maybe you're watching, you know, thousands of miles away. We are on this journey. And if you're a follower of the Almighty God, God is up to something. What's your part in it? God bless you.